Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Justin Craig. I am the executive minister here at the church, and I'm just privileged to be able to uh, be up here and deliver uh, God's word to us this morning. Uh, if somehow you missed it on the way in, we have a lot of tables set up out in the foyer. This is called a ministry fair. Uh, and uh, there's three things that we want to accomplish at our ministry fair. One is we, we feel like we've got a pretty awesome staff uh, and we've got some awesome volunteers and we want you to create some community with them uh, because they just, they're awesome uh, and they've got a lot to offer to uh, each of us and each of our lives. And so that's, that's one of our purposes to having a ministry fair is creating community with our staff and volunteers and our church family. Uh, the other reason is, is that we've got some volunteer needs uh, that we believe that God has gifted and called us each to meet. Uh, and so each table has some volunteer needs on it, and it also has prayer needs because as a staff, as volunteers, we need your prayers. And so I hope uh, that you will take some time after service to spend some time at our tables out there, getting to know our ministry leaders, getting to know our volunteers, uh, and getting to know how you can be plugged in either in a volunteer setting or uh, in a prayer setting. Uh, and so with that, uh, I, we're going to pause on our Hebrew series for just one Sunday, all right? Randy has been leading us through uh, the sermon to the Hebrew people in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Today, we're going to take a one-week break from that. So if you have your scriptures, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, not Acts body spray, which is something middle schoolers immerse themselves in. We're going to immerse ourselves in the book of Acts written by Dr. Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Now, as we start to get to our passage in Acts chapter 9 today, I want to ask you a question. Who is on your list? Who is on your list? You see, my list consists of, of my first minister, my first pastor, Willard Kelly, who just passed away just a few months ago. Uh, Brad Berg was my Sunday school teacher. Mrs. Morley, Mrs. Burchett, they were my Sunday school teachers. Rob Perry, Wayne Hume, these guys poured into me at such an early age. Uh, I have Pastor Roland Boyce was my second pastor in my life. He poured into me. Dave Ahrens, Dave Kiefer, uh, Gary Johnson, these people are on my list of people that shared the gospel with me. So I ask you, who is on your list? You see, these people that are on my list are people that placed their calling above anything else to share the gospel with a weird kid like me. Through different sermons and Sunday school lessons and different youth ministry trips, these people poured into me. These people planted and watered the seeds of faith in my life and watched God give the growth. The, these people embraced a calling to make sure that the gospel continued forward in my life. So who is on your list? I feel like we could spend a lot of time over the next couple of days just unpacking different stories of people who were influential and impactful in our lives as Christ followers. So who is on your list? And maybe a different question for us to consider this morning is whose list are you on? 
And I, I don't mean that in a self-righteous way whatsoever, but I mean that in, in who can point at you and go, that person was an ambassador of Christ to me. So who is on your list and whose list are you on? You see, today we're going to be looking at a story in Acts chapter 9. And I wish I had time to unpack everything that has happened so far in Acts, but we just don't have that kind of time uh, because second service is coming in soon and uh, we got to make some way. So uh, I wish I could unpack all of this, but we're going to look at a story of a follower of Christ and an ambassador of the gospel. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 9. And what's already happened in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, is the conversion of Saul. You see, right here in the middle, as Saul is on his way to go and imprison more Christians, he has an interaction with the Savior. So maybe that's the sermon you need to hear this morning, that in the middle of our mess, Jesus still shows up. In the middle of our sin, in the middle of our disaster, Jesus is still there. And he calls to Saul. He says, what are you doing? And he's like, who, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, the one you are pushing up against. He has this beautiful encounter with, with Jesus, and then this encounter has left him blind, and then he is led into, into Damascus where he sits and he waits. And then we get to our passage here in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. This is what, this is what God's word says. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, um, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. This is the word of the Lord. You see, our scripture today opens up with a man named Ananias, who was spoken to and called to by Jesus in a vision. Jesus tells him about some kingdom work that is needed with a newly chosen instrument named Saul. 
Well, Ananias knows of and has heard of Saul before. His name is not new as Saul has historically now been the main adversary against the Christians in Jerusalem. And now he comes bearing authority to Damascus to do the same thing here. Ananias speaks about Saul as if the all-knowing Savior doesn't know Saul's story. But Jesus doesn't let Saul's history determine his future story. And he tells Ananias that he has also called Saul, and Saul is waiting for Ananias to show up. Ananias is not arguing with Jesus anymore in a vision. He goes to Straight Street in the house of Judas and finds Saul. He approaches him, places his hands on him, and speaks kindness to him. Saul's vision is restored. He gets up. He gets baptized. He gets some food and is strengthened. So here's uh, the big idea for today. And it's not just a big idea. It is also a disclaimer. Uh, A disclaimer for those of us that call on the name of the Lord and call ourselves followers of Christ. So here it is. It's right up here on our screen. It says this. Following Jesus will disrupt our comfort and direct our calling. Following Jesus will disrupt our comfort and direct our our calling. It makes me think of Moses in Exodus 3, right? God, God calls Moses. Moses is out after killing an Egyptian. He's out in the wilderness, and he is out with his father-in-law serving as a shepherd to this flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. God appears to him, and he says, no, no, not this flock. I got another one for you. Back in Egypt, you know, you know that place well. And what does Moses do? He's like, yay, Lord, yay, you called me back to... That's not what he does at all. Um, No, Moses is really, really hesitant here. He's going, listen, I don't have the right gifts. I can't even speak well. Like, I don't know what we're doing. So God spends a few moments equipping Moses and then sends him back. And we know the rest of his story is leading the Israelites, God's people, out of Egypt towards the promised land. It also makes me think of, right, right, uh, following Jesus will disrupt our comfort and our calling. It also makes me think of Jonah. I love the story of Jonah because it's like it really could be the story of Justin, but I didn't make the cut. Um, But Jonah, right, it says Jonah chapter 1 that he receives a word from the Lord and he's like, oh, thank you. You want me to go to Nineveh? That's an Assyrian country. They don't like people. Uh, so I, um, that's really generous of you. Hey, God, look over there. And then he runs uh, as if the Lord doesn't know where he's going. And then he gets on a boat as if the Lord didn't create the water where the boat is going to be going. A violent storm erupts. Jonah's like, guys, this is my bad. Uh, I am so, so sorry. Just chuck me off board. We'll be fine. He gets swallowed by a great fish. He has some really good prayer time. Uh, So if you're struggling with finding good prayer time, just go fishing and fall off. It'd be great. Jonah can have prayer time in the belly of a great fish, but we can't seem to have it in our living room. Uh, It's weird how weird that is. Jonah chapter 3, again, hears the word of the Lord come to him, and now he goes to Nineveh and starts to speak boldly about who God is. You see, following Jesus will disrupt our comfort and direct our calling, it also makes me think of Ananias. 
And today in our scripture, I want us to focus on three components of this brief story around Ananias and how Jesus uses Ananias for his kingdom work. So the first component we need to look at is the calling of Ananias. Verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am Lord. So what do we know about Ananias, right? This is, this is the only time in scripture besides Paul's later account of his conversion that we hear of this Ananias. It's the only time we hear of him. So what do we know about him? Well, we know his name Ananias means Yahweh is gracious. That's important. We're going to come back to that later. He says Yahweh is gracious. We also know because of, because of this scripture that he is a disciple of Christ living in Damascus, exactly where, where Saul has just come. We know from Acts 22 that Ananias is a devout disciple. He, he's, he's dedicated to the Lord. He's well spoken of by other Jews in the area. We know by Ananias' response that he is familiar with the voice of Jesus. You see, his response is very different than Saul's, right? His response is, here I am, Lord. Saul's response was, who are you, Lord? So we know that Ananias is at least expecting a call from Jesus. Ananias' response tells us that he is ready to be used by God and for his will. His response shows an eagerness, an excitement, and get this, a readiness. You see, we don't see anywhere in our scripture the spiritual gift inventory from Ananias. We have no idea if he has the gift of evangelism. We, we don't know if he has the gift of hospitality or if he has the gift of preaching and teaching. We don't know if he has the gift of awkward conversations with potential killers. Um, but what's extremely important to note is that the gift that Ananias holds is the gift of readiness. This is where we see Ananias as a true follower of the Savior. He's ready and listening. You see, church, what is required of a follower of Jesus is not certain skills or gifts, but readiness to use whatever gifts we have for whatever kingdom work we've been called to. You see, each one of us has gifts, right? We have, been, we have been uniquely crafted and gifted. We have gifts that we have been given to by God in order to serve his kingdom. We all have gifts. Some of us, some of us have gifts that we continue to work on. To brag about your pastor for a second, he and I are walking through a book on how to preach. Now, mainly it's for me, uh, just to be clear. But our pastor is continually growing in his giftedness. Gifts are something that we continually grow in. And there are some of us that have gifts that we don't even know about yet. But here's the thing. Gifts that we have do not qualify us, nor do they disqualify us from the service of the kingdom of God. You see, when we focus on our gifts Instead of the giver, we will narrow our perspective on how God might use us. Following Jesus is not about relying on our skills or gifts, but relying on our Savior. 
The gift of readiness is the strongest quality that Ananias possesses as a follower of Christ. Now, now there, is, there is an opposition to being a follower of Christ. There is, there is something pushing against that in our lives. And what would be the easy answer is, well, if someone's not being a follower of Christ, they must be a follower of the culture, right? The world around us, right? Getting wrapped up in our culture so much that we can't possibly be following Jesus too. And I think that could be an accurate picture of some of us in this room where we are so wrapped up and consumed by the things of this world that we don't pay attention to the Savior of the world. But I would like to counter that opposition with a different one, a more sneaky one, a more Satan's craftiness opposition. You see, I think what is more damaging is not simply being a follower of our culture, but knowing Jesus and not going with Jesus. The opposition to being a follower of Christ is being one who knows where to go and yet stands still. Ananias is a follower and is ready until Jesus tells him where he's going. See, Jesus calls Ananias, but now he has to prepare Ananias. Verses 11 through 16. And the Lord said to him, rise, which means get ready. Get your shoes on. We're leaving, right? It can also mean an initiate a launch, right? Rise, we're getting up. We're not staying here. Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision. Who? A man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument. He is a vessel by choice. He has been handpicked by the Savior. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. If we learn nothing else from here, it's, it's that details do not determine dedication, right? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, show me step one through 55. And I will follow you wherever you lead me. You give me just the plan. And that doesn't work uh, because God does that. Jesus does that with Ananias, doesn't he? Listen, I want you to go to Straight Street. Okay, where on Straight Street? Judas's house. Okay, got it. Who do you want me to see? Saul. What? Um, that seems odd. Right? You see, up to this point, Christians have been fleeing from Saul. And now Jesus wants him to go find Saul? This this kingdom work assignment would have been difficult for Ananias to wrap his head around. He's heard many rumors, not just from one person, but from many. It's well documented in our scripture about Saul wreaking havoc on the Christian movement. From the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7 to, to his movement from house to house in Acts 8. And the murderous threats we read about in the beginning of Acts 9. See, the word is spreading quickly about Saul and the wave of destruction that follows him. And then Ananias gets this vision from Jesus about going to him. This seems absurd, does it not, right? Initially, it seems like a death march. And Ananias hesitates with Jesus. But Jesus tells Ananias that he has not just called him, but he has also called Saul. 
see, Jesus is calling Ananias to be a carrier of grace, an ambassador of grace. You remember his name? Yahweh is, oh, help me preach this. Yahweh is gracious is what Ananias' name means. Ananias gets to be the first follower of Jesus to speak grace and love and acceptance to the known challenger of the Christian faith. Jesus is calling Ananias to go and be the carrier of grace. And Jesus is calling Saul to be the carrier of hope. Right? He's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. You see, Ananias is called to be the missionary to the missionary who will take the gospel into places and hearts that it hasn't been yet. And I love this word right in the middle of our scripture here today. It's a word that Jesus speaks, and it's a word that is spoken often in the New Testament. It's the word go. The word go shows up 154 times in the New Testament. I think it's important we pay attention to that word. Right? Go means to travel or proceed, to move forward, to leave, to pursue, to devote yourself to someplace new. Out of the 154 references in the New Testament, I think we're most familiar with the one in Matthew 28. When Jesus says, all authority, which that word appears in our scripture today too. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Ananias is to go and be the carrier of grace. Now, just as there's an opposition to being a follower of Christ, there is an opposition to going. There is a big opposition to going, and it's not standing still. No, the opposition to going is comfort. We like comfort, don't we? Ooh, we certainly do. You know, when we were looking at these new chairs, we had a sample brought in so that we could see well, we can see how stain resistant they are because you guys are clumsy. Uh, like, and so we wanted to dump some communion on see how we could get that out. But we also wanted to see if they were comfortable, but not too comfortable because I know I'm not that interesting to listen to. We wanted to make sure they were comfortable. And, and there's, a, there's a group of us on Sunday mornings that walks around the building to see if the temperature is comfortable, right? How soft are we? We can't even sit in a... In a cool room for 40 minutes. It's like, what's going on? We like comfort. We have something in our world called comfort food. Are you kidding me? Food that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And then we have this sweet blanket that lays on our bed called a comforter. If you call it a duvet, I don't think we can be friends because that's just too fancy for me. But it's a comforter, right? It's a comforter that lays over a bed. We really, really like to be comfortable. Ananias liked his comfort where he was. He had no desire to go anywhere that Saul might be. You see, the biggest part of Ananias' preparation is transforming his definition of comfort. You see, comfort for Ananias would have been staying as far away from Saul as possible. 
Comfort for Ananias would have been following Christ where it's safe. Comfort for Ananias would have been staying a disciple at a distance. But Jesus calls him into the kingdom work that will transform Saul's life. You see, church, when we are following Jesus, comfort is not found in our feelings. It's found in our Redeemer. Amen? Comfort is found when we remember the Great Commission. Go. I am with you always. You see, the preparation of Ananias for him to become the carrier of grace. I love the inter- interaction here, right, where, where it, it starts out with, with his honesty with Jesus, right? Jesus gives him the kingdom assignment. and He goes, I don't know about that. Ananias is honest with Jesus, but then he, has, he continues his posture of listening to Jesus. And then, then he, he dives all the way in to his trust in the grace of Jesus. Jesus is preparing Ananias to go, and he does. We have the calling of Ananias, the preparation of Ananias, and now we have the action of Ananias. Verses 17 through 19 says this. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight, then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. You see, with a prepared heart and mind, and a calling that reaches beyond himself, Ananias sets out to find Saul. And before saying anything to him, he places his hands on Saul. And we see this as a regular practice with the apostles in the New Testament, Just before in Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 19, we see that some of the Samaritans have started to become baptized. And so the the apostles send Peter and John in Acts chapter 8, verse 19 to go down and lay hands on them so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Ananias places his hands on Saul and then greets him with this term of endearment, brother. Brother can also be translated as fellow or member, or associate. It's a term that is both inclusive and means equal to. Jesus uses this term in Matthew 12, 50, when when he says, whoever does the will of my father is my brother or sister or mother. Jesus often talks about his disciples as brothers. Ananias tells Saul that he is here to help him recover his sight and be filled with, With the Holy Spirit, he recovers his sight and is baptized right away. And recovering sight is also a common thread in Jesus' ministry. We see all through the Gospels of of different stories of, of people recovering their sight. And most of them talk about the people recovering their sight and immediately they start following Jesus. And what does happen with Saul? Saul is healed and then begins to follow Jesus. You see, Saul's life is changed. Saul's outlook and perspective are changed. 
Saul's goals and, and his calling are changed. His demeanor has changed. His direction and dedication has changed. His purpose has changed. Ananias is now on his list. But not his list to throw in jail. His list of people who were an ambassador of Christ in his life. Jesus calls Saul. Ananias calls Saul his brother. Saul is the carrier of hope to the Gentiles, but Ananias needed to first be the carrier of grace. Saul has changed his life. He will change his name and will live to proclaim the name. But first, Jesus called Ananias. We've heard of the term stepping out in faith. Ananias stepped out in faith, in faith that what Christ has called him to is what Christ will equip him for. Ananias spent his time in this story with Jesus going through three phases of following Jesus. The first one is is that he paid attention to the Savior. He was a devout man of God who listened for and listened to the voice of Christ. Even through his hesitation, he maintained the posture of service with his reply, here I am, Lord. The first component of following Jesus is being attentive to the Savior's voice. So the question here is, are we listening to Christ? In the second phase of following Jesus, Ananias deliberately ignored his desire for comfort and embraced his desire for Christ. He became the carrier of grace. Jesus said, go, and Ananias went. The second component of following Jesus is stepping out with Jesus. It's going rather than staying. So the question here is, are we going with Christ? Are we listening to Christ? Are we going with Christ? The third phase of following Jesus, Ananias doesn't just go, look at Saul through the window, go, yep, he's there. See you later. He doesn't do anything like that at all. He goes, and what happens? He ministers to Saul. And I know sometimes we put that word up on a pedestal, but minister just means to serve He serves Saul. He lays his hands on him. He stays with him. He very well could have been the one who baptized him. Ananias goes towards the kingdom work and then does it. Not because the kingdom work is going to save Ananias, but because it was going to save Saul. So the third question here is, are we doing the work of Christ? Not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but because we're trying to hand it out to others. As Christ followers, we too should step into our calling. We too should go through our preparation with Christ, and then we should go forward with Christ. So my question remains the same Who is on your list? And whose list are you on? Because I know for one thing, Ananias' name is on Paul's.